if you replace the word monkey with the word demon in each one of these names, a howler you got a, demon. You got a, a good. Demon. You got a good sort of dungeon crawler there. You got a spider yeah. demon. You got a <laughs> proboscis demon. Scotch. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to episode 171 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast, Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I can barely make my mouth move appropriately when I'm trying to say things. And I'm Sam and I'm the visual problem solver. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is Octopus Gun 2018. Mm, we're or, the month of octopus. Yes. Kicking it off with a nice spooky vibe. The, <laughs> an octopus spooky. with a gun. Yeah. Which hand is it in? It's the classic Halloween. Everybody's hanging octopus with gun <laughs> paraphernalia around their houses and mm-hmm. trees and things. I just kind of want this now. This would be amazing. Yeah. Octopus. Actually, you know what? Octopus Gun should be the holiday that starts October. You know what I mean? Octopus. That's the That's name of today. it? Today is Octopus, Octopus Gun. Gun. Uh-huh. That's the day where we celebrate. What would it be like if Octo- Octopi had guns? <laughs> if cephalopods are smart enough to wield, because they have little tiny brains, their tentacles are- They're very smart. Yeah, their tentacles are independent. So they could technically be trying to shoot you like differently with each arm they have. Yeah. Yes. So I mean, and it's, it's the day- they shoot you at the same time. It's the day where we remind ourselves to be thankful- that, that octopi. octopi are not smart enough to have guns. Mm-hmm. Well, and also that they don't have skeletons. Yeah. yeah. So, so they, they got to stay in they there. They got to stay in the water. <laughs> they got to they gotta stay in there. You keep your guns and you stay in the ocean. But can you imagine, I mean, people talk about scuba diving with sharks being like, ooh, it's so scary. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, what if octopus had guns? <laughs> then it would be very scary, yeah. I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, also, before we get started, we have a warning. Anything could happen on this show. There's going to be profanity. As, I as we just, just <laughs> uh, There's going to be profanity and, and some other stuff. We're going to talk about sea creatures. Uh, so if you're a child, then you should uh, you should get out of here because this gets spooky. Yeah. It's very scary. Mm-hmm. And we're in October now. So I feel like this is the month where children should just probably hide. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You should just you know? cover your eyes everywhere you go. There's going to be skeletons. There's going to be, Sam put a skeleton outside his I house. Put multiple skeletons out. This is my this real is, ones. So my wife and I every year put just murder a little, somebody. Well, yeah, take the skeleton. <laughs> I mean, yeah, put <laughs> it in the tree. <laughs> put it in the tree. <laughs> we put just a like a few buckaroonies into our Halloween decoration budget, and finally this year, so we've sort of been slowly setting the scene. We decided to go with like a skeleton motif and sort of a graveyard. Vibe. I think skeletons are my favorite part of. They're just so fun because yeah. they're so funny. I think I just and there's always... one living inside all of us. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's like a soul, but a hard one. <laughs> Your hard soul. <laughs> I remember the uh, the Disney. I think it's Disney. Their skeleton cartoon. Yeah, the old skeleton yeah. dance. I don't know if it, I oh, showed yeah, that to my dance. wife for the first time a few months ago because she didn't. I was I was laughing about it one day because it just came to my mind or something, you know. And she was like, what the, the one that's like playing about? a xylophone yeah. on its rib cage. They do all sorts of insane stuff in that. Like, if anybody hasn't seen that, I think it's on YouTube. You just watch it. The skeleton dancing. Yeah, is what it's called. I found it on YouTube. Um, absolutely hysterical. And so I think you know, skeletons to me are definitely the spooky part of Halloween. So we we got this. We got multiple skull situations happening. We have like a you can just buy a sack that's just got all the bones in it, and then you kind of just like put the bones wherever you want. And so we laid them out so that. There's there's a skeleton sort of strewn across the yard who's like grabbing a lamp that's coming out of the ground. <laughs> and then, but this year, so this is all sort of setting the scene over the last couple of years, slowly getting all of our pieces in place so that this year we bought uh, the reticulated skeleton. So it actually is like a full skeleton mm-hmm. that you can move its little arms around. So we put one in the tree. So he's posed up in the tree, like he's just sort of hanging out, climbing up there. 
And then there's another one in a rocking chair on our uh, front porch. Okay, listen. <laughs> just hanging out with his legs crossed. Listen, <laughs> this posable skeleton thing just gave me a great idea mm. on how to maximize your yard decoration potential. Okay. Posable okay. octopus. Because one <laughs> of the – well, they don't have skeletons. Remember, we covered this. <laughs> That's true, yeah. So one of the – they have no souls? They must not. Well, they've, got, they've still got soft souls, but they have no hard souls. Oh, gotcha. maybe, maybe their beak is their soul. There you go. Yeah. So the thing is, is at the end of the year, you got to put up your Halloween decorations. Then you got to take them down. Mm-hmm. Then you got to put up your Christmas stuff. And well, take Thanksgiving. That down. Thanksgiving. Then you got to put up your Thanksgiving yep. decoration. Take that down. Right? Okay. So what if, what if you fused it and you said, I've got all these articulated skeletons. You set up a nativity scene for Halloween skeletons. <laughs> okay. Right. Uh, maybe put like a turkey in there somewhere mm-hmm. just to kind of hit all the, you know, hit all the base. And then you just leave that up <laughs> for, just for three months. months. <laughs> but then during Thanksgiving, you just put pilgrim hats on them. Yes. There you go. And if you, if you wire it up with color changing LED strips, then of course over, over Halloween, you just flip them to orange because mm-hmm. that's the spooky color. Yep. And then, and then you flip them to like yellowish autumnal Just vibe. autumn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah autumnal, autumn maybe color. just keep it orange. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I think yeah. Just and keep then, it orange. And then, and yeah, and then, you know, toward the end of the year, you change it to whatever color that is. I thought you were going to suggest that you have a skeleton and then you, for, for, uh, Christmas time, you put Santa's skin on it. <laughs> yeah, I was going to go then, there, but then I would never yeah. think of that. Well, you so. can, yeah, you can convert it into a nightmare before Christmas vibe, right? uh-huh. Because then basically now for Thanksgiving, it's a statement on how awful the pilgrims were because they destroyed an exactly. entire, you know, an so entire social single-handedly, single-handedly. Your yeah. Halloween decor becomes a political statement. And then that November. becomes the nightmare before Christmas, which is just a spectacular spooky movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I got a plan in place. Actually. Yeah. If you make a skeleton nativity scene, that basically is the nightmare before Christmas yeah. decoration. So is the nightmare before Christmas, just another name for Halloween? Is that? Yeah, basically. I guess that's true. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's, it's a long time. It's a little ways Christmas. before, but it is before. Uh-huh. Uh huh. All right. Well, let's get on to the the meat and bones of the mm. show. Ooh. Hard souls. Put the meat on these hard souls. <laughs> the show. Uh, first, we'd like to thank we'd like to thank our supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. We grabbed their money. Mm-hmm. Just grabbed it right out of them. Yeah. Yeah. If you do try to donate, a hand will come out of your uh, computer monitor or phone. It's going to get that money. It's just going to grab it. It spooky. actually just takes your wallet. Yeah, we don't want the money. We sell the wallet. So. <laughs> yep. With a thriving wallet, wallet uh, secondhand business. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we had a bunch of anonymous donors this week, which is awesome. So thank you. That's very honorable. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you don't want any, you know, any shout outs. Nope. You're just doing your duty. And of course, we'd like to also thank our recurring supporters who, you know, we just every month we just come by. Take your wallet again. Grab those wallets. You guys must be buying a lot of wallets. <laughs> Maybe from us on it the black gets, market. Man, <laughs> it, gets, it gets pricey, but you yeah, know. We, we get a cut every time. That's a pretty good deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we get like 50 cents per wallet. They're on the blockchain, so we can track them all yeah. the way yep. through. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Also, we have coming up on October 20th, the Shenanicon. So that's in 19 days or 17 days from the time this podcast episode will air. Um, soon. There so are this, currently only 22 tickets left yeah. as of this morning. So they're drying up. So if you want like to get an in on it, out of water, get in mm-hmm. on it. Uh, and this is a convention. It's going to be a, or a, a mini con, I guess. It's about uh, a four hours. It's a shenanigan. So we're going to have first first play, I guess, mm-hmm. of level head. So if you come, then you'll be able to play level head long before anybody else. And it's still under heavy active development. So you can kind of also see, you know, 
you get to see an interesting snapshot of the game and you'll, you'll get to play it. And you'll be playing um, basically four player co-op so that we can mm-hmm. get as many as many hand hands and eyeballs on that game as possible. Yes. Um, and we'll also have food and we will record a live podcast episode. So it's going to be going to be a good time. It's going to be a good time. Those tickets are 15 bucks and you can find those over at meet.bscotch.net. M-E-E-T. We should maybe get an updated <laughs> URL for that one. Um, Do you think anybody else thinks that it's meat? I always think that it's meat. As in I, I wonder because I know matter. that the word peak, P-E-E-K, people often write as P-E-A-K. Correct. Yeah. Um, and it, maybe it goes the same way, you know. Because we have the we have the word peak and peak, and mm-hmm. also meat and meat, mm-hmm. and this is all very confusing. It's all very confusing. But I could also just redirect M E A T to the same place. <laughs> oh yeah, let's just do that. Yeah, that was good. Then we just say go to meat and whatever you want. Whatever you want. Other than we also have to add in M E I T because you know mate. Which one is that? That's just a thing. It's just a way a person can spell a thing. It looks like. Like a German spelling or something. It would be like M O E T with an umlaut. Yep. Put it. Is that a thing? No, you, can't, you can't have lots of URLs, <laughs> fortunately. Mute. 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 Mute.bsketch.net. So just go there. Get your tickets to Shenanicon. Uh, all right. On to the real news. Mm-hmm. We need to talk. Well, last week, we talked about peppers. Ghost peppers. Yeah. Sam took some of them home. I did. Let's so, talk about this. So I tested one because Adam was like, I touched it to the tip of my tongue and, it, it, you know. It shot fire into my body. These, so are, was, these are ghost peppers. So I thought I will give this a ghost spooky. Pepper. Spooky. We're uh-huh. into spooky That's season. Perfect. Yeah, it's Halloween. So, so I was like, I want to maximize the spookiness though. So I, I first I licked it and it was also, it was very hot on the outside. So I was like, this is going to be great. So I cut a, a sliver of it off and then I made, I love meat, cheese and crackers. Like That's my snack. It's my go-to thing. And you thought I'm going to ruin this. Yes. So what I did was <laughs> I made, I had made five meat, cheese, cracker, you know, combos. And then I sliced the pepper and I told my wife, I said, Hide that pepper slice in one of those five. <laughs> <laughs> in one of those five. Ooh. And she was like, she's like, really? I said, yes. Said, okay. But oh, no. so, you weren't taking turns though. So it wasn't like the two player roulette. No. It was just, okay. It was just, so it was going to happen at some point. It was point. going to happen to me. So okay. this is personal, just your own personal roulette. Yeah. I was like, let's make this spooky and fun. So, and then, and then she would, she made me close my eyes and then she would just shove one in my mouth. <laughs> so, <laughs> so because she said you could actually see, you know, which one was hiding under so uh it was number four uh, so that means very that spicy. means that she knew yeah. which so she was like i'm gonna be the one to do this yeah to yeah. you uh-huh so but so it was really fun and then the fifth was so i did uh, the fourth one um had the pepper in it very good actually because it was just a small enough piece that it didn't it was very hot but didn't like destroy my soul so then i doubled it and I just put a bigger piece in the next one. Oh no also very good uh, very fucking hot, but it lasted like probably 15 minutes where I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, all right, Ty and I said, let's, uh, let's make this interesting. So, because she packs me a lunch before work every day. And I was like, Uh-oh. sometime this week, <laughs> <laughs> I want you to put a pretty big amount of this pepper. Just put it into put one it of in these. There. I don't want to know which one it is. I just want you to secretly. <laughs> so she's you're like, just gonna okay. say, so every day you're going to be like, I'm guys, I'm going to go get lunch. And then the whole way down, you would be like, oh, no. Oh, oh, no. Yeah. I was like, let's do this. So I don't, it might be today. It might be today. I don't know. We're at the beginning of the week. So it's like, and it's anybody's guess which day it's going to be. All right. You know, I hope it's in something that you can't tell it's in there. Because that's going to be, if you pull I won't it out, be able to tell you can because, see it. Oh, no, I won't be able to tell because it's uh, what I have this week is like a green curry. 
that already has peppers in it. So I won't be able to tell at so all. So she'll just like throw some in there. Now, It'll just suddenly be really, really hot. <laughs> if she listens to this episode, I want to suggest that she play the long game mm-hmm. and not actually put any in your lunch this week so that you spend the whole week in anticipation. <laughs> okay. And they're like, oh, I guess – I guess there wasn't any in there. And then afterwards, she'll just be like, oh, I forgot. Sorry. I just, right. Just and then next week, still nothing. But then the next week. <laughs> and you've for, you forgotten about it. Yeah. You've forgotten about it at this point, And then just boom. She'll just slip a fuckload of ghost pepper <laughs> in on like a, just a random Tuesday. There you go. Yeah. Yep. That'll probably happen now. Because you're. Wiley. It'll be go. unexpected this week, but not that unexpected. That's true. You know. So if you want to really go. This, well, should, this should just be a general tradition. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping <laughs> like it's once just a, a month you're yeah. gonna have ghost pepper. I'm hoping it's just a, <laughs> just a fun game that we play, sort of indefinitely, just to keep you on your toes. Because <laughs> how exciting, you know? Very, Otherwise, very exciting. Because batch meal prep, you're like, I know exactly what I'm eating for the next four days. But right? if one of them, if one of them might kill you, <laughs> it's very exciting. <laughs> I just can't even imagine. Well, I, mean, I, like, I just, you just couldn't. I just no, yeah. You just those. don't get to have lunch that day, though. You know, I mean. I mean, you do. It's just hot. If, <laughs> no, because if, if there's a any kind of substantial amount of ghost pepper in your lunch, oh, I'm ready. You're at you're out of you're out of commission. Okay, I got. Rice. Has it included the seeds so far? Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. That's I'm going bold. for it. Yeah. Also, do you have orange ones or red ones? Like how red are they? They're red. Okay. Yeah. Right. So you're, demon you're butt red. Yeah, they're peak spice. Peak spice. Do demons have red butts? Are they like those baboons? Is that? <laughs> <laughs> I, think they, I think demons are already red, so they have purple butts. Oh, because like the baboons. oxygen can't get in there. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that makes sense. They also have weird, you know, purple like folds on their faces. Like those other monkeys. Monkeys oh. are weird. Monkeys have so, all sorts of weird folds wait, and things. Does that are monkeys just demons? Is that I mean, yeah. I feel <laughs> like it. Yeah. Uh is that proboscis monkey? Definitely a demon. That's a demon. 100%. They're tree demons. Also, the one, the ones <laughs> with the scream. super, super long arms that are like twice as long as their bodies. Is that like the spider monkeys? Or is that like a spider monkey? Yeah, and then there's howler monkeys. Yeah, how are these not? These are just demons. Yeah. They sit in a tree and they make horrible if screaming you, noises. Yes, <laughs> if you replace the word monkey with the word demon in each one of these names. A howler demon. You got a good good sort of dungeon crawler there. You got a spider yeah. demon. You got a <laughs> proboscis demon. That's just disgusting. <laughs> yeah. And then you got bonobos, and they're just hanging out. They're, just, <laughs> they're like imps, basically. They're, they're imps. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So the last thing I want to talk about before we get on to questions, mm. questions mm-hmm. from listeners, is the any benefit problem. Yes. All right. Here's the deal. What's the deal? Last week, we were like, community management. How do you do it? What is it? How do you community mm-hmm. and manage? Um. So we looked around trying to figure out, like, what do other studios do to cultivate a community, to market their games, all this stuff? Because even though we feel like we've done some things right in that area, we have probably done almost all things wrong, Mm -hmm. which is generally how we kind of view most of the, well, everything that we do. Mainly because we tend to just largely ignore social media as like a, as an avenue for potential anything. We don't really participate but one of the things we noticed is that most developers don't do this yes. they're on there they're on mm-hmm. the twitter they're on the facebook mm-hmm. they're on the instagram the snapchat mm-hmm. the it's just there's a lot of them uber mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. whatever they're on there mm-hmm. uh and so we had a big meeting 
last week, just kind of out of nowhere, where we started talking about this and like, should we be doing this? And what what happens when you do it? What is the point? Is so, basically the question. Yeah, because I think there's this this idea that kept coming up over and over again is this idea that people seem to have that you need to manage your social media presence. And if you do it well, then you will grow it. Yes. Which is the whole goal, right? Right. Because you want to sort of – the whole goal supposedly of the of general of using social media is to sort of you get your own audience and then you can talk to them, right? Yeah. This whole thing. And then we, we, and we do do this ourselves, but our avenue has always been through email marketing. Yeah. As opposed to through social. And so we're looking at uh, you know all this different community management practices, talk to a few people. Um, and yeah, just start asking the question like what, what would it mean to – how do you actually grow? What's the most effective way to grow one of these and then what does that mean? So really? yeah. So we looked around trying to figure out – we looked at, at stats on – because all, all this information is just up there on Twitter. So you can see you know, how many tweets uh, a company has sent out and how many followers they have, et cetera. What we found is that um, there is effectively no measurable relationship between how you tweet, how frequently you tweet, what you tweet – anything and how many followers you have. These things are completely uncorrelated with each other. Um, the best example is Apple, mm-hmm. where their primary Twitter account has 2.5 million followers and zero tweets. Mm-hmm. They've, yep. they've never tweeted. Pretty remarkable ratio. Yeah, so we're looking at that and we're like, what is that? And then we're like, okay, well, what else is there? So there's Nick Offerman. Mm-hmm. He's tweeted like 6,000 times. He's got 1. something, 1.6 million followers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've tweeted like twelve. No, eight, eight, eight or 9,000 9, 9, times, mm-hmm. and we've got like 20-something thousand followers. So we've tweeted way more than Nick Offerman, mm-hmm. but he has like 200 times as many followers as we do. Um, there's a lot of other developers we looked at, some of which have, you know, are approaching 100,000 tweets. And if you look at their sort of like followers per tweet ratio, mm-hmm. if you assume that, that tweets can generate followers, then you would assume that people who tweet well would have like a high ratio right that that every tweet they send out they might get new followers um but no yeah it seems like the more people tweet right it just doesn't doesn't matter matter. so so what we sort of the conclusion we came to is that twitter sort of actually is an interesting barometer for not not what you're doing on twitter right but what you're doing in the world so whether whatever Mm -hmm. your profession is you know whether you're a comedian like nick offerman or you're coca-cola or or, coca-cola or apple right yeah the the quality of the thing you're doing external to Twitter is what drives people will follow you because of that, right? Basically, regardless of whether or not you're even tweeting, according to Apple's, right? <laughs> yep. So, well, and, and there's an engagement thing because we also we're looking at really popular company accounts. So Google has 30 million Twitter followers, and they send out tweets that get like 150 to 300 likes at best mm-hmm. out of 30 million followers. So their participation rate is a, essentially zero. zero. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, you know, Coca-Cola, they've sent out a quarter of a million tweets. Um, and we're like, well, why is that? You know, but if you think about Coca-Cola's marketing strategy, it's we just want to dunk our logo and advertisements literally everywhere. Mm-hmm. So if people are Passively, following, if people right. are like, I want this, I want you to dump all this advertisement stuff into my Twitter feed. Coca-Cola is like, yes, we will do <laughs> that. <laughs> so people follow Coca-Cola and then several mm-hmm. times a day they're dropping commercials. Like pictures of beautiful people drinking Coke. Right. Yeah. So the interesting thing about this is that uh, – and we we ourselves have, have used it in, in the past. When the way we've thought about it is that it's very good for reaching out to people one-on-one and occasionally for getting sort of like 
hot tips about something. Someone will you know include us in a chain of conversations with a streamer or with a reporter, and then maybe something will come of it. Uh, the reality though is that ninety nine percent of the time that has ever happened, nothing has ever happened. Yeah, and response. it's and it's expensive. It's very expensive to sort of pay attention to, and so and it's just general. This generally goes to this really interesting trend, I think, uh, in Western culture in particular, uh, which is about sort of our relationship to new tech, which is that we just always just get it. So it doesn't quite matter. Like we don't necessarily sit back and say, what are the what's actually the benefit here? What's the and, and the consequences? Hey, what's the cost? Um, and then decide sort of on a measured approach, like, do we want to be doing this? Or does this seem like a valuable thing? It's just people tend to just get stuff. Like you're just like, oh my God, it's the new thing. Um, so we're very, uh, was it technophilic? Is that the word? Like love yes, of tech. Sure. Um, and so there's this interesting problem that arises, which is this idea of the the any benefit uh, mode of thinking about this stuff. So the way it goes, I guess, is if, if you want to, this comes from the from deep, from deep work. work. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is this idea that, if there's a piece of, of tech or an activity that you can do that has any benefit at all, period. So if you on Twitter, you could say, yeah, I've sent 12,000 tweets, but one time mm-hmm. I got a note from a journalist. Yeah. So yeah. it's worth, good. worth it. Yeah. Worth so it. the problem is the the any benefit approach, basically what it does is it, it, it just neglects the cost. Yeah, completely neglects the cost. And so this has always been the question we've had as far as Twitter goes because we don't have – t- our studio is too small to actually – have someone kind of dedicated to this because it just means we're not doing core development work if we're doing that. So this is not necessarily the case for like a larger studio or a larger team, but definitely in our case, uh, every time we've looked at it, the, we're, we're like, how how does this make sense in terms of we're trading time making the game for time doing this Twitter thing, but it doesn't – It's and sometimes that is good. Well, and, the, and the cost is – Rarely. Yeah, and the time cost is is – enormous mm-hmm. so we, we were doing the math we stumbled across some twitter account that had like eighty thousand tweets um game developer and we're like what does that really mean what does that kind of translate into because when you go to send a tweet there's the the time spent composing it which is often very short mm-hmm. um, but, but at minimum it's a few minutes yeah at minimum you know you're spending a minute or two kind of think like oh look i'm eating a bagel Blip, mm-hmm. and take a picture of it right. and wait yeah, for the upload and, yeah. and then there's that that uh several times a day of going back and being like, who liked my bagel picture? Mm-hmm. You know, because you got to get that sort of self-gratification mm-hmm. of knowing that and, people and care And also you're going to respond to somebody who replies. And yeah, and then stuff. you kind of see other people's tweets. And then like while you're in there, you jump into some other conversations. You get mad about a few things. You see some idiot thing that some mm-hmm. idiot said, get mad about that. You know, and so by sending your one picture of a bagel up on the internet, you've lost, you know, like a good 20 minutes of your day kind of scattered about in various mm-hmm. fragments. And then that's disregarding also the uh, kind of attentional residue that comes from bouncing back and forth between this distractionary activity that keeps you from from getting real work done, mm-hmm. right, and being able to focus on real stuff. Um, so if we just assume, though, that somehow using the power of magic, you've you've locked down your distractionary time per tweet to just five minutes. Composing plus distractionary time. Right. Then – Plus the, just the impact on your productivity right. it, from the mood change yeah. that you've If suffered, you are somehow basically a godlike figure of focus mm-hmm. um, and you've only managed to lose five minutes per tweet, if you've sent 80,000 tweets, then that is three full work years. Yeah, work years. Of 40 hours a week, yeah. 50 weeks a year. That's a, that's a shitload of time. <laughs> like how many games could you have made – how many useful things yeah. could you have done? 
Yeah, I think it's. And how many more Twitter followers would you have if you yeah, did that, useful that's things? The thing. <laughs> that's the interesting thing about it. So it's actually again because it seems like the the time you spend off the platform is what gives you the power on the platform. Truthfully, right? It's not it's not the quality of your tweets that does it. It's the quality of the stuff that you make, especially as a game dev. It literally is just the quality of the stuff you make. This is why you see new studios, of course, you you do want to have that sort of initial group of people who are in your corner, which Twitter is good for. Um, but they didn't just f- discover you on Twitter. Generally, they no. came there because you were doing other yeah, stuff. Yeah, they, they saw you somewhere else. So they saw you in some game developer forum or they saw mm-hmm. you in like the Touch Arcade forums. Or they, or they even saw you somewhere else. If you're participating in the Twitter thing, like they might see you through something like Screenshot Saturday. Right. But they're always coming there because of – the game. So, like, don't ever mistake what people are coming there for. They're which not is, there for you. They're for the game. You know? And so, yeah, it's, it's all about just making the thing. And so, you know, if you have to make a decision about where you're spending your time, just spend more of it on the game making side of things or the, you know, general marketing side of things yeah. rather than the social media side of things. I mean, just it's a follow it's a follow on, not a preemptive. It just, and, it, and just as a, as a very simple thought experiment, you know, what if Nick Offerman turned down the role on Parks and Rec and he said, I want to focus on building my Twitter presence. Mm-hmm. Instead, of, <laughs> instead of doing that, yeah. he just tweeted for eight years. He Nothing. would not have 1.6 million Twitter yeah. followers because uh, nobody would care what he had to say because he would never have been Ron Swanson, mm-hmm. you know. Yep. So uh, I think – it's just, yeah, and so when you look at those follower counts, like you said, Sam, I think it's a it's a reminder that that what that really is is it's a very loose metric for how much uh, people are willing to listen to what you have to say mm-hmm. because of external right. things that you've done. Yeah, but I think the the other the other problem with with you know Twitter in particular, outside of the any benefit sort of way of approaching the world, is just how cheap it seems to be. In the moment, yes. it's just a couple minutes here yeah, because it's just you just sort of send off a you just kind of look at it, send something off, and and it, and it feels like you haven't interrupted your day. It feels mm-hmm. like you haven't spent very much time. But if you really think like like we were talking about, if you really just think about what all goes into that, um, and the and then that the kind consequences of- after that moment, whether you checking Twitter yeah. and or sending a tweet, uh, just the general impact on your day and on your productivity, uh, our our estimate of just five minutes per tweet. Yes, is a crazy underestimate mm-hmm. without a doubt. Uh, and so even, even us, like with our Twitter account of, you know, we sent 9,000 tweets or whatever that is. And so that's, you know, 45,000 minutes. And this is us using Hootsuite to schedule tweets and, yep. and doing stuff to, mm-hmm. to actively mitigate yeah, that means exposure. We, that means we have spent months of human hours, months mm-hmm. of human development time. That we did not spend on games. That did not go into games. Or, um, and so, yeah. So it's I, terrible. Mm-hmm. It's, it's something that, when things happen in these little tiny, these little tiny moments that are easy just to kind of gloss yeah. over, it's just so easy to to not sum over their consequences. It's kind of like also dieting too, right? It's like you just eat a little too much every time, and then now five years go by, and all of a sudden you're three hundred pounds right, right away. Yeah, it's it's these little these little tricky fuckers, right? Yep. That are just they, and you're, they make you feel like you haven't made a bad decision. They make you feel like you haven't even done anything outside the norm or anything unhealthy or whatever. Uh, but it's because it's a it's habit. This, it's a habit, and it's yeah. a cumulative yeah. negative that is that grows actually surprisingly fast. And we hadn't actually put any numbers on it until last week, and, all, and we were just like, "Fuck, this is gross! This, this is, is a huge bad. problem. I hate it." Yeah, yeah, people always talk about this for email too, right? I mean, there's yeah. a big thing in, in businesses where they say, "How do we get people to spend less time in their email inboxes?" Mm-hmm. Because it's so easy to fire off an email to somebody. You can do it without even thinking about it. You force them to check it, and you know. And we know like people that I know who work in in more sort of corporate kinds of places spend a solid like third of their day every day yeah. 
just sending and responding to emails. Uh, Being a human and, router. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, like people say it like that, but yeah, that means a third of your year, you know? So that means yeah. every year you're putting in four months of your entire work email. is going into sending emails. And people talk about that with respect to email, but for some reason, social media, social media hasn't quite hit that. Because it's, it's marketing. Radar. Yeah. But it's not. I think it's almost faster. That's probably why. I think it's exactly why. It's, yeah. it's easier to ignore it even. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and because you're doing it from this perspective of, of marketing and trying mm -hmm. to get exposure and all this kind of stuff, it, it does – it's one of the things you're, it got the it has the the horrible coupling of any benefit plus this tiny amount of mm -hmm. apparent cost, uh, which just isn't true. Yeah. So yeah, yeah we, we've come down much more forcefully now even than we used to. I, my favorite no. moment, I think I think this was last week, was we got an email from uh, we have, so we have business insurance because we're you know mm -hmm. we're in this office and we gotta we gotta be doing things by the books. Mm -hmm. So we start a fire. Or we didn't start a fire. If, if we but if we fire. did, yeah. uh, you know, we we shoot a potato cannon through the window. It's just usual things. Are we covered with if we did that? Uh, it depends on whether we did it on accident. Okay. You know, we uh, act, accidentally. Like we accidentally built this potato cannon and then it fired and there was a kind of a negligence So problem. it's sort of like <laughs> – this is sort of like <laughs> – when Epic Games accidentally added boob physics. To, oh, yeah. That happened last week, didn't it? Yeah. Yes. That's one of those accidental things where you're just like, oh, we accidentally. Let's talk about this for a second. <laughs> like, well, hold on. I got to finish. Okay, I got to real yeah. quick. Because the thing that happened. The thing that had a. You got yeah. an animation bone I got bone an animation to bone to pick. Uh, the, the thing that happened last week was I got an email from our insurance people and they were like, hey, we're updating the, the policy for this year. If you could please review it and then let us know if this looks good and then we'll, we'll go ahead and renew it. Sure. And then they attached a 158 pages of insurance policy. <laughs> <laughs> and and I could have done the well. I'm I mean this I got to do this right because it's mm -hmm. in, they emailed it to me. I'm supposed to review it. Mm -hmm. And I just responded. And I just said I'm not going to read this. Uh, tell me if anything changed and tell me what changed. If not, whatever, just renew it. I literally <laughs> don't care. <laughs> uh, as long as it, the price hasn't changed that uh -huh. much, you know? And then they were like, oh, yeah. And then they just replied with a single sentence. Like, here's the one thing that changed. <laughs> <What>? I'm like, <laughs> okay, then kidding? it's fine. And it was like such – it was like a 3% change. And what, this is also why in our, in our terms and privacy policy, which, again, I've tried to make human readable. No um, one reads it, but yeah. – No one reads it, but I've tried to make it human readable for those people who do. Because mm -hmm. I think it's important that we, that we have fair terms and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's one of the but things I is – a change log. So there's a change oh. log on all these things. So that tells you what version it is. There you go. And then – So instead of like, hey, our terms have changed, here's all of them again. Yeah, you just go, you just go <laughs> to the change log. <laughs> Not the difference. <laughs> it shows you the date. It shows you the version numbers for each of those dates. Mm -hmm. And it tells you – it gives you a rough summary of just what's changed. If something like really dramatic has changed, it just points you right to it. Can you use a diff tool on a PDF? Probably, uh, maybe that would be useful. Mm -hmm. It would, it would be a complicated diff tool. So yeah. presumably somebody has made such a thing. But there's lots of binary because all the all these kinds of things that come from like health insurance mm -hmm. or whatever. Like they always if they're, if they're scanned though, then no, because the yeah. the chaos inside of a scan they're probably like, not see, yeah. scanned at that point. But yeah. you'd have to upload it to Evernote and then fax pull it, it back down, turn it down, <laughs> sign it, fax it, mm -hmm. scan it, fax it again. Send it back. One of my favorite things about this office is actually that we have a fax number that people can fax us, but it just gets converted into a digital thing and emailed to us. Yep. As soon as they told us that, I was like, yes, I love you <laughs> so much. Well, and they, but they also said it as if this could be a problem. And I was like, no, this, this is amazing. a problem. This We're is still not going to give anybody that fax number. Oh, but no. knowing that. Knowing that we never have to physically receive a fax. It is, yeah. Even if we have to receive a fax. It is it's one of those nice beautiful thing. things that you realize like the further you get into running a, a business operation is that you can get away with not doing most things. Because like, cause we, we had – so for our health insurance forms, um, 
our our uh, rep told us that the the new provider like the the only two things she's like the only two things that are required are you to sign this spot and they really want your fax number. So at the time we didn't have a fax number, and so I just wrote NA, sent it back, and uh, and she was like, "Cool, this is fine." <laughs> it was like the the other well, company just what needed they, to see that I that I saw that and put something yeah, in there, right? Because what they want the most is your money. Yes, and they'll forgive a lot. They'll forgive they'll a lot. lot. <laughs> yeah. you can have my money, but you can't have my fax number. Yeah, <laughs> this is sort of a Braveheart situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, let's talk about boob physics. Let's talk about this physics. Oh, my God. okay. Animation. So, I guess Adam, you want to tell us the story? Well, yeah, so I was. So I, I've got my my feedly to mm-hmm. keep up to date with the RSS feeds of various things. You know, so like anytime I'm on my lunch break or whatever, then I'll go like scroll through see what see what's going on. And so last week, Thursday, Friday, I don't know. I was coming back from break, reading on my way, and just saw this thing that just threw me for such a loop. <laughs> I just couldn't. I couldn't quite process, which was. Uh, Epic Games was a pause. Epic Games makes Fortnite, right? Mm-hmm. They were apologizing for uh, for this quote unquote bug that had slipped into the latest release, uh, the latest update of Fortnite, which introduced breast physics. Mm-hmm. And so, breast physics, for those who don't know, is the creepy stuff in a lot of games where, for some fucking reason, the people who rigged and animated these things decided that the breasts need to jiggle mm-hmm. when, like, the characters are jumping or whatever. So. This is obviously gross and weird, um, and it was a big thing for a while. And certain this is like even games. if they're wearing body armor and everything yep. else, yeah, they'll sort yep. of be wiggling around, yeah. in there. Yep. And what? Uh, <laughs> Why? So, 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 so this is a thing, and the latest patch of Fortnite included this. They just added this into their to their female characters, and uh, and then of course people were like the fuck <laughs> the mm-hmm. fuck is this and especially with Fortnite because Fortnite doesn't seem like a game that's meant for it doesn't really have a lot of sexualization going on yeah. generally yeah. Yeah, people are dressed like triceratopses very cartoony yeah. it's cartoony and like and it's clear and it has its demographic is very wide and includes yeah. you know kids and and so on um but also it's supposed to be more just sort of generally approachable and not designed like with in the idiotic way people used to design games to say these are only for 15 year old boys mm-hmm. right and that's everything was designed around that so so people were mostly just kind of confused. I mean, I think there were some people who were probably, you know, outraged, but for the most part, they were just like, but why though? What? <laughs> what is happening here? And then, and so Epic immediately apologized and they're like, uh, we, you know, we should have caught this. We you know, shouldn't have let this go out in the patch. It's crazy. And bug. they referred to it as a bug. Mm-hmm. Like that somehow they just accidentally introduced. So well, what is a bug? Physics? You know, if, if it's a part of the game that went in there without your intent as the designer, Right. I mean, it is possible that somebody on their animation team just did this. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, just like because they were like, so, I want, right. So, it, so it was intentional, but it was a bug relative to the product. Right. Because there's there's a question of whether or not this was a top down decision or whether one of the animators would, was like, well, right. I'm touching up these dances. I'm going to also add this little little feature in here. The thing is, though, so it's because as far as like what happens to the actual 3D rig. So for people who aren't familiar, so in, in 3D animation, you have your model and so usually you can think about a person standing in like a, in a what's called t-pose which is they're standing with their legs together and their arms straight out and you rig them by basically putting bones into that 3d model so that you can then wiggle those bones around and, and make them do animation so the thing is with with breast physics and you correct me if i'm wrong i'm pretty sure you have to put there has to be a bone in there so you have yeah. to put bones in other words you have to modify the rig yeah which i feel like yes might have been a thing that like an animator randomly did but i don't think like if I were an animator working on a big project, I wouldn't be like, "Hey, I'm going to modify." It's a weird thing the to go rogue on. rig. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's like a really intense thing to go rogue on. You know, it is. 
Yeah, I'm not. I'm not defending anybody. <laughs> I'm just saying. No, no, I, I get it. There, there might be more. I'm saying that this is especially with the success of this game, they have to be growing like crazy. Like yeah, they've got to yeah. be adding people to the team that they mm-hmm. have no idea who these people are, frankly. Uh, so if it was a top-down decision, that is hilariously dumb. Uh, but if it's, really bad judgment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if it, but this is also the kind of thing that if they have bad uh, internal review practices of what's mm-hmm. you know what's going into their game, then well, this is also kind of an interesting QA problem too, right? Because you know we, we're dealing with this now internally with our new uh, with our new small QA team. And it's something that we talked about with them quite a bit is, is, is not only do we, do we want to see the bad stuff they found, we also want a summary of just all the things that they tried. Because otherwise, there are holes that we don't know about. Like, we don't know what has or hasn't been tested. And so when a feature gets added, now you're in a tricky spot. Because if QA doesn't know you added it, then they can't test it, mm-hmm. right? And so if you add a thing and, and do it silently, it might fly under everybody's radar and just... Who knows, right? Yeah, and in a game where you're, it's a third person view for one. Yeah, like you're so, so if you're not chest, looking actually. for it, yeah, you'd and you're flip shooting the camera people around. from a little, yeah, right. So if you're not looking for for this thing, so you might literally not see. It. Yeah, you might literally not see that some you know rogue animator team <laughs> decided to do this until you get it out to the hands of fifty million people, and then mm-hmm. then even the tiny subset of those right. who actually would see it as a fraction is a huge number of people. Yeah. However, somebody had to take a lot of effort to oh, do yeah. this. Yeah, so, I mean, they didn't just trip on the yeah, keyboard. Yeah, so, so calling it a bug was just sort of like a... It just seemed a, we- a weird way to do but it. But I think the thing is that the reality is that most people who are playing games, just like we did before we actually started making them, like you just have no idea how they're actually made. Yeah. And so the idea that there could be a bug that did this actually makes perfect <laughs> right. sense, right? Because it's yeah. just... To a typical player, yeah, it'd be like, oh, yeah, magic it's thing. a bug. Well, it's yeah. also possible that these things were originally animated with breast physics and that they just turned it off. Uh, that there's like a Boolean switch somewhere. That's true. That is true, actually. And somebody flipped and it. somebody flipped it. That's actually <laughs> totally true, yeah. So it's it could have always been there. Yeah, while it is possible that it's like that it's a bug, it's certainly my my gut reaction to this to this to the way that they framed it was <laughs> and I mean, and they and they apologized properly and all this sure. kind of stuff. I think it was fine, but they didn't take any the kind of responsibility then of that mm-hmm. they were taking was to me just so it was such they, they a classic didn't. yeah, it was just it was such a classic attempt to not be culpable, you know? Yeah. Um because they, they apologized in a nice way, which was good. But then they were just like this was an like an accident and like, but in the most accidental of forms, cause that's what a bug is, right? right. Like completely unintentional. And I just can't, this, this kind of reminds me of when, uh, when overwatch was first coming out and then they were revealing the characters Yeah, and then they, and tracer actually, no, it was, it was when actually the game came out and there was this character tracer who she's super fast and she's got these cool guns and glasses and mm-hmm. she's like, she can teleport or she can move herself backwards in time or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you can like run ahead and then snap back and stuff. So, very popular and iconic character from the game and nothing even vaguely sexualized about her persona or anything. And then in the character selection screen, uh, when they first launched Overwatch, this character was standing in that ridiculous like butt butt sticking out ass to camera with upper body turned Mm -hmm. so you can see side boob Mm -hmm. move that every, you know, Marvel poster has (laughs) and whatever. And Mm – yeah, so completely incompatible with the, the nature make, of the thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it doesn't make sense given the game. It doesn't make mm-hmm. sense given the character. No, none, of, none of this makes any sense. Although this character w- would not stand like this. Mm-hmm. Also, no human would stand like this because it's anatomically impossible <laughs> to bend your spine that way. Um, and so, yeah, there were a bunch of people who were upset about it. And within like a day or two, 
Yeah, they, they had like, patched, they'd hot fixed it in, and well, they basically said like that's a good point because yeah. the thing and is, they apologized properly and took responsibility for it. They were like, "Yeah, we had a, this was a bad judgment call yeah. on our part." Yeah, so or just, it was just an old judgment call, probably more so. Than yeah, else, right. That's how you used to do it. That's how they would pose all yeah. of their female characters. Yeah, yeah. So maybe don't, maybe don't do that anymore. Breast physics yeah. bugs. <laughs> all right, <laughs> just oh man, laughable. I just, I was just, I came into the office just chuckling. I was like, what? <laughs> What even is this? It's crazy. So there was but honestly, other- I'm glad that I'm glad that people are calling this shit out. Yeah, you yeah, know, it's nice to see. So, uh, all right, let's get on to some questions. These questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net. If you would like to get your question into a future episode, uh, s- slots are limited. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> get in there and do that. First question comes from John Pat Chap. Are you all still sticking to the four day work week with a jam day on Thursday? I'm curious what you've learned after doing it for this long. Hmm. If you don't do it anymore, then what made you stop? Yeah, so we are we're back to sort of a normal five day thing, two days off, you know, the usual five day work week. Eight and to five, eight to six. Most, yeah. Yep. Well, yeah, nine to five, nine to six. Um and I think the the reason that we switched back was because we noticed that two things. One was that three day weekends I think when you're doing work the way that we are, which is uh, like all of us are trying to learn new things or very focused or whatever else, a three-day weekend every single weekend is pretty bad. It gets a, it gets a little long uh, on occasion. It's, so, well, it's totally unstructured. I mean, the advantage of work is that you don't have to decide what your day is going to look like. Right. So you, there's actually a lot of mental energy that would go into planning a completely unstructured day, mm-hmm. right? And so – like we talked about in the past, why this is why people's weekends tend to fall apart, you right. know, and it's why it's, we call it the weekend because you become weakened. Mm-hmm. But uh, and and you can do that for a couple days, but doing that for all three days, for three days in a row every single week, it's I think it starts to well, it takes quite a bit of energy. But I think the, the you got to fill the void. The more important piece is actually not necessarily the three days off, but the Thursday, the jam day, because essentially what would happen is that uh, while we would get a bunch of work done you know, in that 12 hour stretch on Thursday. So that was a, usually like a eight or nine to eight or nine, basically. Um, while you get a ton of stuff done, you're genuinely pretty fried afterward. So, you know, you kind of, you come home and just kind of pass out mm-hmm. that evening. And then the next day you're kind of in like a hungover state. And so you're not night. doing anything to turn your Friday into a useful. Right. Day. I mean, you can, you can run errands, that sort of thing, but for the most part, it's a, uh, mentally you're a little off and so we actually experienced this again this past week because uh on thursday we just sort of randomly did a jam day we all just, just hung out until like 7 30 or 8 yeah and we started the day at you know eight thirty nine, and so it ended up being one of these really long stretches of time and then the next day all of us were just kind we of were fucked, fucked up, up. <laughs> <laughs> it was real bad well and, yeah and that, well there's that uh that idea like if you drink a five-hour energy or something like that mm-hmm. you know you're not you're not just adding energy to your day. You're stealing it from the future, mm-hmm. right? You will crash afterwards. Um, same thing with like drinking coffee. You know, you kick off your day with drinking coffee. You're going to drink some more coffee later. Then you, you just kind of keep stealing energy from the future mm-hmm. until you stop drinking coffee and then you run out and you crash, right? So That's it. We all do drink a lot of coffee and five-hour energies. But uh, we're not – you know, nobody's <laughs> perfect. <laughs> but I think the point is that so like what happened on Thursday then was this this long stretch of time, a lot of focus. And we got – so I, I've been sort of measuring those those deep hours of work that I was getting to put into the art practice in particular on Levelhead. And on Thursday, I got an extra like hour and a half or two from that extra couple hours that we were around in the office, 
which is great. So in other words, that was the most amount of sort of actual legit work time I had in a single day over the course of the week. But it was not as much as the loss that I had on Friday. Yeah. Because – So you kind of stole four hours from Friday to get turned two, it into two hours right. extra on Thursday. Yeah. So generally what we found is that the the we we're trying to take much more of just like a paced approach to making these games and stuff because we find that there is some certain amount of time that once you're sort of – once you've done that in a day, say like somewhere between like four and six hours of like really deep focus work on – a particular hard thing in general. Um, you just got to step away. You kind of just got to go do something else. Well, and, and there's the extra, the thing that I noticed happening is I, I always want to have some sort of time to wind down, like some cool down time, you know? And so I don't think I've really talked to you guys about this, but like whenever we did our jam days, I would, and we would end those at like 8 PM or 9 PM. And I still want to have an evening. You know, I, I still want to have some dinner. I want to read a book, maybe play some games, whatever. Um, but also I would be so like mentally burnt from that, that I couldn't really do anything particularly active or useful. So it would create this kind of, it, w- it would naturally trend toward those kind of like void filling activities, right. like end up on YouTube or Reddit right. or something like that. Um, and then I would end up staying up way too late that night, which would then make me fucked up even worse mm-hmm. the next day. Um, and so I, I found that, that by doing those jam days, then your routine gets just kind of. Yeah. Totally derailed, which then makes the next day or two even worse, you know. Yeah. Adam, so, what's your take on it? Well, I think the the original reason that we did it um, was one that's now sort of incompatible with what we're trying to do. Because mm-hmm. the, the reason that we that we set the thing up was because we had employees. Mm-hmm. And there were sort of two pieces of that. So the, the But the main one was they all needed to learn how to do the work that they were doing mm-hmm. in the studio. And, and what, what we had found was that the normal, you know, five day work week, um, because people just have their lives that they have once they leave the studio, um, that people weren't finding the time to like study and, and actually like get caught up on the stuff that they were behind on. Right. And so that, so there was that piece and the other one was, well, so we thought the three day work week would then help create that time. Right. right. Cause yeah. the idea is like, now you've got unstructured time on Friday where, uh, or now you just, cause now you've just got, you already have your weekend like you did, but now you've also got Friday, which is this unstructured day. You don't have anything that you just like are required to do. You don't have to be producing. Mm-hmm. You now have time where you can go brush actually, up on your actually skills. learn stuff, go brush up on your skills. Uh, and so there, there was that idea and that was, that was sort of coupled with the problem that once we had a bunch of people in the studio, um, if people were gone for our doctor's appointments or, you know, things that just happened in the middle of the week, it it felt like there was never a moment where just say like everybody was in the office. Yeah, because yeah. the more people you have, the more you just notice like one that, person's gone. At yeah, any moment, yeah. You know? yeah. Well, if one if if you would have a doctor or dentist appointment or whatever every seven weeks, so basically almost every two months, mm-hmm. you get seven or eight people into an office, then the likelihood of somebody being gone at some point during yep. the week yep. is actually pretty high. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, it's kind of like the League of Legends uh, talk about like. If you get ten people into a match, the probability that one of them having a bad day that day yeah, it's basically yeah. guaranteed. It's almost guaranteed <laughs> right. for every match. Yeah. Right. And so and you know, we didn't we didn't want to be managing people. We didn't want to be keeping track of like who's been gone when and like you right. know, you know, we didn't want to do any of that stuff. And so we wanted to be able to say, Okay, well, if you know, Friday is a business day, meaning businesses are open. Mm-hmm. So you can go to the bank, you can run you errands. You can do all of your errands and everything, get your hair everything cuts. is doable. So if we basically just said, All right, so Monday through Thursday is Absolutely 100% for work. Uh, and we need to put in basically an entire work week in those four days. 
that now allows for Friday to be the day where you take care of your errands. You take Mm -hmm. care of your self-improvement stuff. You take care of all the things about being yourself, right? Uh, The reality, though, is that people do not respond well to unstructured time. Which well, we talked other, about. That's just, that's just a thing about it's true for us. Yeah. It's true for it's true for our employees. Well, it's true for everybody. But it's also reality that a lot of things are closed on Fridays. Yes, there's also that. And a lot of doctors, a lot of doctors don't, so, they don't work. And on also, Friday. and the other half are closed on Mondays. So, yeah. so you could put a you could put a a hole like punch a hole in the middle of the week, like yeah. on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Which then, so you know, people we always, we talk about past about how people hate Mondays, you know, because. Part of it is because they spend the entire weekend fucking themselves up by not sleeping properly, eating terrible food, mm-hmm. watching Netflix all weekend, and then they come in on Monday feeling stressed out because they didn't get anything done and they still have to clean the house. They still have to right. do all this stuff. So if you punched a hole in the middle of the week, like on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, uh, then now you've basically just got two Mondays, right? Because yep. now you give people another opportunity to leave work for a day, go mess everything yeah, up. Yeah, because the fact is and that- then come back. <laughs> People are people. People are not going to spend that Wednesday productively. No. If you yeah. take that. So any any day, any day that people are not working, they are not going to spend productively. Again, this is true for us too. Like I, I still spend a significant fraction of my Fridays during our four-day weeks, uh, like learning stuff and whatever. I spent a lot of it running errands and that kind of thing. But then when I was done with that stuff, then mostly yeah. I was like, now what do I do with myself? You yeah. Know? And then and, you got two more days to figure that out with too. Yeah. yeah. And especially for – so if you're in a position in a in a company where like where you know you're behind on the skills that you need or whatever – then there's a, there's a strong sort of driving force at least pushing on you. And it's still hard to respond to that properly. But if you're the one making the decisions in the group, like, you know, like we were, it becomes even harder because you're already sort of operating at some productive efficiency within your, your context. And so you don't need necessarily to like throw in another, you know, five hours on a Friday, like learning, learning something or improving your skill in some way. And so it was actually even harder, certainly for me anyway, uh, than it would have been for our employees to actually like use that time productively. But the fact was, it was hard for everybody. There was, a, there was actually just no, we, we felt like there was a lot well, of benefit was, coming out of it. I, I yeah, I, I still have two minds about it. I think it was, it was, it's still a very, like it's a good thing to be able to do, but I think it's hard to figure out exactly how to handle the structure behind it. Because the, the whole point about what we're talking about is that we recognize a problem that we just have as, as a studio because a studio is a collection of humans, right? Yeah which means that people are going to need to be gone. One of our things that we wanted was for everybody to be around at the same time. So that was sort of the core driver of this whole thing. So we said, why don't we set up a structure as far as work to goes that actually supports this being possible, which was this four-day work week. Yeah. Um, it didn't quite – I think the thing is that the, – the thing at the end of the day was basically that it didn't, it didn't quite solve the problem in, a, in a, like a total way that we were really trying to get at. And a lot of it is because of the fact that – so many things are close. It's not even just about people being I, people. I think it's like we just so many things are not. Yeah, I think we just broke even. Yeah, honestly. you know, because like yeah. we we added the extra day, and sometimes you could take use of it, and you can run your errands, and you could you know, or go, go on like a three day trip or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then the the fact that that was also unlikely to happen because we're people, and also we burn ourselves out on that Thursday, mm-hmm. and then the Fridays become mm-hmm. less productive, and um, and then you've got the added burden of now you've got to figure out what to do with three completely unstructured days a week instead of two. And so then the likelihood of of sort of messing everything up for yourself by the time Monday rolls back yeah, around messing up even harder. is even higher, you know. Um and so and and we I'd say we got about the same amount of work done. Because like because there's this this interesting uh thing that you often hear about from from books about like redoing the way people think about their work and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they always focus on production, which is like People are really only getting about three hours of really actually productive work done a day, mm-hmm. right? So if we just 
cut the workday down to three hours, uh, and then people could just focus on the things that really matter. And then you only working, you know, 15 hours a week. Mm -hmm. And and you know what, why don't we just condense those down into two days, work two, seven and a half hour days, you know? Uh, but that, you know, that kind of, that kind of thinking completely ignores the psychological side of structure. You mean the entire, the the entire context of how you get those three hours done basically. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which is having a routine that you can depend on that also aligns well with the rest of society, mm-hmm. you know. Yep. Um, and by by cutting out, you know, five the five hours that things aren't being done very effectively in, that doesn't mean that somehow magically the three hours that are left are going to be productive now. No, that yeah. means you're going to try to pack all those five hours of admin yep. <laughs> into <laughs> yeah, the into three hours. <laughs> now you're only going to get eight minutes of real work done. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, we, we've flipped over now to more of a uh, – it's the five-day work week, but with much, I think, more constrained hours than we used to think about. We used to always, I think, just try to be putting in a lot. And now it's a bit more important because I think we've seen the we've seen the value, the creative value of doing, you know, doing that deep focus on stuff and then just leaving and stepping out. So whether that's just doing a sort of a wrap down or a power down at the end of the day and then going to the gym and then just being done yeah. with work. Because at least, you know, speaking from my own experience in the last couple of weeks, as we've been transitioning more sort of this deep work idea um, – a couple hours after work has ended, after I've gymmed, after I've had some dinner, I'll just have some random ideas about stuff. You you, yeah, you need that breathing room. Yeah, which you know, kinda, mm-hmm. previously I, I don't think I really had much space to do that actually even during – weirdly enough, even during the three-day weekend thing. Well, I think the, the thing with the with the three-day weekend is that that also created sort of an unnaturally strong artificial separation between like work and home yeah. um, that made it so that – at least for me anyway, like I would, I would, I would do like some learning things and stuff, but I wouldn't, I was trying to, I was actually trying not to work on, you know, butterscotch stuff. And, uh, part of the intensity ramps up from Monday through Thursday. Yeah. And so so like, then you just get exhausted and you're like, okay, no, cool. And I can go like sort of relax and just do other stuff. Um, but, but by just making it a normal fucking work week with a normal weekend, everything's just as you've grown up your whole life expecting, like everything is Mm -hmm. very, very normal. Uh, but also you, uh, you do try to make your workday feel much more like an eight to five kind of a job, right? So that, and then, and then having, having expected things when you go home of like making dinner, going to the gym, mm-hmm. doing all these things that are, that are definitely not what you were doing. Um, that actually creates this sort of the soft separation mm-hmm. between home it's and nice work. It's a nice rhythm. It's a nice rhythm where when you go home, you don't feel like you have to be doing anything. Uh, you don't also don't feel like you're escaping anything. Mm-hmm. It's just, you got work and you got home and there's just like, it's two parts of the same thing. There's kind of a fuzzy boundary where that's like, that's going to the gym or making right. dinner or whatever. And, uh, and so for me, that's, that's been the part that's been super helpful because like last week, actually what burned me out last week wasn't the intense work week mm. or even the, the jam day. Cause jam days for me are, could be energizing. They can't be draining. It just depends on what's going on. And last week it was the context. The context was I was, I was working on a thing that I really didn't want to be working on. Mm-hmm. Like I really, <laughs> aggressively did not want to be working on because it was a very hard problem. It was very right. open-ended. Uh, the importance of it was really unclear also. And so I was like, and I, I was basically, right. I've been, I've been like problem solving and working on this thing starting on a Wednesday, just like all day Wednesday. And then Thursday was like, all this yeah, well, it was one against. of those problems where we thought this may become an issue later. Yeah. Well, it's it currently, definitely it's, will. It's, it's currently definitely fine. going to, but it is currently fine. Yeah. Uh, or at least almost fine. Which and so the question that- was, do I, do I make it, fine now or do i make it fine forever because those are my sort of two options right and which you uh, know is actually impossible which is impossible right. and this is, a, this is a premature optimization thing right? yeah um but i was like if, only, if i could just like square on the right idea then i could just like mm-hmm. solve this once and be done with it at least for a long time not forever necessarily uh 
And, and so for me, that was like, so my, my brain was constantly trying to flee working on this problem. And so like every, every opportunity it had, it would, it would get distracted by something else. It would like send me downstairs to go refill my coffee yet again for the fourth time. My coffee's at two thirds full. And that's literally literally what happened. Uh, I would pick it up and I'd be like, oh, there's only a little bit left in here. And instead of just finishing it. All of a sudden you're, you're very focused on just how much coffee. Oh my God. Yeah. It's, it's it a just, real big problem. All so so that was like, that was, so my brain was doing this to me. It started basically Wednesday last week. Mm-hmm. And then, it, and then like all day Thursday, it was just, I was, it was actually the, my, my constant interruptions that made me exhausted. Cause for me, the deep work actually doesn't exhaust me that much. Really. Um, it, uh, it doesn't getting, energize me either. It's just like, it's for me, it's more meditative. It's just like yeah, getting into it is the hard part. Getting into it is the hard part. But once you're in there, like I can be in there for like a whole day at a time and feel, and then just feel. Completely yeah, I feel fine. like you need a good sort of like thirty to forty minutes of uninterrupted struggle yeah. before you yeah. really <laughs> kind of get into the zone. <laughs> I think it's so yeah. funny we get those well, like the question we got either last week or two weeks ago. Someone's like, "How do you guys make so much stuff?" And it's like, "We are struggling every day. <laughs> it's, it's pure it chaos. Is, it is painful. Every time I look at my coffee cup, I'm like, should I go get more right yeah. now?'" And my brain yeah. sometimes is like, yes, you should, buddy. But imagine, <laughs> imagine if we were also tweeting during all this. It'd be brutal. Be yeah. But, this, but, I, but I was wondering, though, because you guys were talking about how you got burnt out from the full day on Thursday and all this deep work and stuff. But was it the full day of deep work? Or was it that? No. Or was it that? It was, you were, for me, it was what happened afterwards. And that, but that you were strong. Like your, your goal that day was to put in as much deep work as possible, which meant every time you got distracted by an admin task or, or, or collaboration or something and then had to get back into it. Then that meant you didn't you didn't get to just like no yeah, I think gently get in you were always forcing yourselves like back into the no I think actually work. I had a very easy time getting in and out of it on Thursday I think what actually happened to me because I did I tried intermittent fasting on Thursday oh yeah you're doing that too, so yeah. it was the combination of finishing <laughs> finishing a bunch of work and like working like a maniac for eight hours because yeah, this is what I was wondering like, was it really that that Thursday was representative of what happens no, in jam day because well, I felt no, I like think, it was context dependent well it's context dependent but I think the the, the point is the is about it makes what it happens fragile. in your work day yeah. is not just that's that's not the only thing that happens to you, right? So yeah, I think long hours make you fragile. Yes. So in my case, that's what I, happened to me. Yeah, yeah, I worked a long time and then went home and could not fucking sleep. Yeah. So I slept just like just like nothing because you didn't have enough time to ramp down. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. My my plan was like I wanted I was originally gonna work and then go to the gym and then go home have a have a nice dinner play some video games read a book go to bed. Uh, instead. Um, I'm arriving home at like 8.15 or 8.30, no gym time, so skipped that whole thing. And I'm also, I feel like I don't have enough time to get a lot of like productive time out of playing a game or something. Because, you know, there, that also takes some time mm-hmm. to kind of get into. And I don't want to ramp up this intense activity right before bed, right? So I'm like, well, I'll just, I'll just read. And I picked up my book, started reading, and I, and I was about three quarters of the way through, which is a dangerous so time. Now you had to finish it? Yeah, because like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna close the book at ten thirty PM when I'm ninety percent yep. of the way through yeah. it. So yeah, so then I end up staying up until eleven thirty. Yep. You know, then I I'm low on sleep and I also haven't done anything useful. So I have that little added stress from the night before of like there's dishes to do, there's mm. you know, there's just kind of extra pile of things that I didn't take care yeah. of. So then of course that all spills over into into just a terrible Friday. Yeah. So yeah, and it's it's that fragility of the routine. Yeah, where you've got to once you establish a routine, if you if you just throw a wrench in there, then yeah, then, yeah, then there's it's there for a reason. Yeah, you know, and and so you can't get greedy. Yeah. You can't think I can. And, and actually, I mean, what's the funny thing is that you know I I gave this talk a while back. Do what you want. 
and I talked about this problem of trying to do more, Mm -hmm. which is you can't just be like, I'm going to exercise more because you also have to finish that sentence with, and I'm going to do less of X because room for it. Right. Because you simply can't do more. You're already doing all of it Mm -hmm. and you have to stop. You have to cut something out. Right. So if you're making the decision of like, you know what, I'm going to put in an extra three hours of work today. Then you also have to finish the sentence mm-hmm. and talk about the things you're going to be not doing right. then in order to, to make fit sure that. you're okay with that. Yeah, and then think about the consequence of yeah. like, well, what, like, why am I, why do I normally do these things? Yeah. And is it appropriate to cut them out right. or should but I this just. This is important because uh, coming back to the whole idea of like the, the Thursday, the, the Thursday jam day, if that was actually built into a habitual framework where on Thursdays, everything about your evening at home was also designed around the fact that mm-hmm. you were going to be gone from like 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Yeah, because I didn't, I didn't finish the plan basically at yeah. that time. Yeah, well, because you were planning to go to the gym, like you said, and yeah. you didn't get to, right? Uh, you were planning to make dinner, and then yep. you didn't get to. Instead, I just stopped at Panda Express on the way home. Also, my blood sugar crashed horribly. Yeah. So <laughs> I had to inhale a bunch of orange chicken. It was delicious, but... Yeah, so like... <laughs> so... Actually, it's, no, sorry. That happened on Friday. Friday Cause, yeah, because I, I tried yeah. to do Sam. Sam, Sam I, oh, I tried to do your fasting. Yeah, Sam was like, oh, you got to try this fasting. I'm like, okay. And I'm driving home. By the time I get home, my hands are tingly. Like, I'm all <laughs> cold and clammy. And I'm like, ah! Because I just, basically, I just skipped lunch. I still ate snacks throughout the day, you know, but no, it was bad. Doesn't work for everybody. That also, that also yeah, helps that's all, fuck yeah. up my Friday. Yeah, well, we can get into that. That's, <laughs> that's a different thing we can get yeah. into. But the, the point I wanted to make was that uh, anything can be made into a routine if you actually do it holistically and pay attention to it. And so when we were talking about why we sort of departed from the, the, the Thursday jam and all this kind of stuff, uh, mo- like that was basically incompatible with the kind of work life we wanted to have, um, which is that we actually like working. Mm-hmm. And so having the three day weekend was really just time for us to fuck around that we, that we, that we didn't, didn't feel productive. do less of the thing we want. To exactly. Do. And, and it wasn't actually causing us to, to do more of certain things that were good for us. It was actually just causing us to have bad habits. And so, so for us having that five day work week was, it's just super beneficial and something we decided that we wanted to, to get back. Um, but the, a person absolutely could make something like the, the four day work week with the Thursday jam day mm-hmm. work. And, and frankly, it, it actually worked pretty well, at least for me, for, uh, for certain chunks of the time that we were doing yeah, it. Definitely. And it was those chunks where I was actually treating it appropriately and treating it as a thing I needed to build habits around. The problem is that something like something that, that has that large of an impact on your day. And it's that that's, and it's, that's that spiky and weird. Cause now it's just like one day a week, you just have this crazy, you're just gone. Day. You're just gone. Right? right. Then you, you have to design the rest of your life around it. And if you don't, if you let those other things slide at all, then now it's a bad thing again. And I think that's basically where I ended up sort of in the, the last like third of our time doing the the Thursday jam days was that I, I didn't maintain the discipline of keeping my life in order around the jam days. I mean, right. I think it's just, it's hard when you're doing something that is, that is against the grain of what society is doing generally. Yeah. Because also there's tons of, there's like events, professional events. There's all sorts of things that happen in the evenings on Thursdays yeah. that we just didn't go to. So guys, it's about that so, fragility. So I think, so to me, the, the reason that I would actually argue against a Thursday work week, I think it's possible definitely, mm-hmm. but I think it's, it's very fragile even if you build habits around it, because it is actually extremely costly to maintain those habits. It requires a lot of discipline. And so the likelihood of you letting them slide and then having that be a bad thing instead of a good thing is super high. So that's what we learned. There you yeah. go. So we're back on the five day work week, 40 hours a week. Well, probably more like 50, but you know, yeah, 50 probably. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. 
You know, you, you've got a certain amount of energy, it feels like. Yeah. You run that marathon, like, with all you got, you know, but you don't sprint the whole time. No. It's it's the fastest you can run a marathon. That's a good it. way to end up walking for the last 25.9 miles. Yes. You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. We'd like to thank our producer, Fat Bard, for making us sound good. Thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. If you'd like to get more involved in the Butterscotch community, hop into our Discord server at discord.gg slash bscotch and come say hello. Also, if you'd like to adorn your body with Butterscotch merch, you can check out our shop, which is over at shop.bscotch.net. Also, if you'd like to send us something, we do have a mailbox, which you can find the address for over at mailbox.bscotch.net. Uh, if you'd like to donate to support the podcast, you can do so at moneygrab.bscotch.net. And if you want to come see us in person, play Levelhead, and eat some delicious food, you can go to meat.bscotch.net. Spelled however you want now, apparently. As long as I remember. Yes. As long as Adam remembers to update that. All right, well, thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.